Hey, Caroline, have you ever had to have a really difficult conversation with someone? Several, yes. And were there times that you felt like you weren't really prepared for those conversations? I don't know if you can ever be fully prepared for difficult conversations, but I guess if you're asking me if there are ways in which I could have been more prepared or it would have been beneficial to be more prepared, absolutely. Huh, yeah. I've had some difficult conversations in my life and I do feel like I've been sort of somewhat ready, but it's it's always fresh, it's always new. Right. And I think one of the benefits to having good dialogue or one of the <laughs> one of the um, requirements, I guess, or necessities for having good dialogue is having some tools and practice and skills for doing so. Sure. Kind of like spiritual practices that we talk about so often. Right, spiritual practices for conversation. Yeah. So we are trying to make those kinds of tools available to everybody here in Ascension. Right. And and one of the ways that we're really making that a priority is we're hosting an event at the end of January, January 21st, called Days of Dialogue. I'm really excited about it. I think this is going to be an extraordinary offering. Yeah. Not just for Ascension, but for the entire Knoxville community. Completely. I mean, and that's why we're making this such a public event and we're spreading the word because we want everybody to take advantage of our guest speaker, Michael Fosberg's own personal narrative. Mm -hmm. And as he shares his own story about um, finding his biological father and, and the journey that that entails and and all the discoveries he made about himself along the way and the skills that he learned about having uh, difficult conversations about having good dialogue and we we are grateful to be able to host him and and I'm hoping that so many people spread the word and come out for this event because it's going to be immensely beneficial. I think so. Uh, immensely beneficial in a number of ways. I mean, we always learn when someone is willing to risk the vulnerability of sharing their particular narrative, yeah. it always has something to teach us about our own particular narrative. In addition to, like you've already said, there's he learned so much about um, having good dialogue um, with people. So, I mean, there's just, there's a variety of ways to learn and to engage um, his presentation and his one-man play yeah. uh, that he'll offer. They're, we're going to offer it twice on January 21st. At 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Right. So Saturday, come, January 21st. Right. You could come in the morning or you could come in the evening, either one. We want it to be really easily accessible for people. Yeah. Um, but we need people to register. Need people to register online so you can you can find the registration links at the church's website, knoxvilleascension.org or you can visit a southerncityspeaks.org and learn more. And 
uh, register online. And, and I can't stress enough the importance of dialogue. And one of the things that I've been really attentive to recently hmm. is how the nature of dialogue as opposed to just communicating or having an everyday conversation, is that we commit ourselves with the person that we're in dialogue with to creating something new. Mm-hmm. And, and I can't wait to sort of hear Falsberg's story in the flesh um, that we've, we've read about in his book, Nobody Wants to Talk About It, and Incognito, and to see how he has been able to create something new with others along his own life's journey. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I think it's tremendous. And I, I also want to say that I think Ascension is in a unique position to be able to offer and to host uh, Michael Fosberg coming um, this January. I think back to the work uh, this parish has been doing over specifically over the last two years. Um, two years ago, January, um, we started a, um, a real intentional opportunity to talk about things that we don't normally talk about. And we started with our presiding bishop's book, Love is the Way. Mm. And of course, we were in the in the heart of the the pandemic at the time, so we were all getting on Zoom. We had about 120 people registered for it on wow. Zoom, and um, 80 to 100 people showing up every Sunday uh, to have these really rich conversations about love is the way. Um, people were really engaged and fired up about it, and um, then we had all kinds of things that we we blossomed into from there that was incredibly organic. Uh, Marianne Wanamaker offered some presentations. Um, uh, Jamie Gorman um, offered presentations. And anyway, we kept um, navigating our way, kind of building a map as we went. Yeah. Um, and then this past year, starting last January, um, the Brotherhood here at the Brotherhood of St. Andrew here at Ascension really was passionate about the whole parish engaging this particular model called living room conversations. Right. And it provides um, a certain kind of structure for having civilized dialogue around conversation pieces that most people try to stay away from, yeah. especially this time of year, like at Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> um, and from there, we kind of created our own model, um, Ascension Conversations, and and uh, dug into some some more um, conversation pieces that are are still kind of difficult for people. So the idea of now having mm-hmm. this January uh, Michael Fosberg, it's just it's such an amazing to me, beautiful, organic um, um, journey that yeah. we continue to be on. And, and I'm so excited that it's not just um, all of us at Ascension now. Now we're really opening it up to the whole community, right. the whole city of Knoxville, and saying, hey, let's talk about this together. Yeah. Right? Like we've been really building some practice and some skill, and we still have a lot more to learn. And I'm I'm learning a tremendous amount here lately, even more. And yeah, so the idea of... This is how we are a seminary for the city, right? We yeah. are Ascension. We are a parish for the whole city. Yeah. And so we're just, I just think it's really exciting. Yeah, I can't wait. 
Yeah, a natural outgrowth of what the Spirit has been doing in us and through us as a church. Very intentionally for at least two years, if not longer. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't. Really longer, but I'm just speaking to some specifics. Yes. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see what um, kind of dialogue ensues both before and after Fossberg's visit with us. And we so hope that you will be a part of that and register online. Again, you can go to the church's website, knoxvilleascension.org, or you can visit a southerncityspeaks.org and learn more. This episode is dropping on Christmas Day. And then the 12 days of Christmas actually start on Christmas Day and then go to Epiphany. They're not the 12 days before Christmas. Right. Which is often confusing in our society. I know. And we miss out on the 12 actual days of Christmas that lead up to Epiphany. Right. And you know, in a lot of cultures, they wait until Epiphany to give gifts. I know. Isn't it in Spain they put the gifts in the shoes? It is. That's based on St. Nicholas, who puts gifts in the shoes, supposedly by legend. He gave three young women their dowries, putting them in their shoes because their father couldn't afford to get them married off. Wow, I didn't know that story. Yeah. So he went in, supposedly, Mm -hmm. by the window. I don't think it was a chimney. Went in through the window, put... Um, enough money in their shoes, which is where we get stockings from, mm-hmm. so that they could get married to their beau. Well, isn't that generous? He did it one for one for each daughter, all three. All three. Yeah. Just like three wise men, three daughters. Yeah. Yeah. So, so right. So in this episode, we talk a lot about Christmas. And the light and the dark. And the light and the dark and and the many different sides of Christmas. Because there are many different sides and I'm grateful to be part of a tradition that is open to recognizing and honoring and articulating that Christmas for many people, if we're honest, probably most people, is pretty complex. Yeah. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, maybe even physically for some people. Um, yeah, so... It's beautiful. It's hard. It's human. It's all the things. Yeah. Even at Christmas, it's all the things. And isn't that the incarnation? For sure. So we hope you enjoy this episode as you listen on Christmas, during Christmas or sometime thereafter. So I've been thinking. Tell me. A few weeks ago, we had a... Coffee with the rector here in the in Ascension, mm-hmm. 
and we had this conversation and it was sort of free flowing. People were kind of asking whatever questions they want to ask. And um, we found ourselves talking about what it means to be the church. Mm. And one of our young people, Caroline Wanamaker, she came up to me afterwards with this brave new insight of hers. And she said, you know, I think I figured it out. And I said, oh, Caroline, tell me. Hmm. And she said, I think the church is like a prism. And, and we refract the light of God and, and shine it out to the world. And I said, oh, Caroline, that's exactly right. And and you may remember I asked her to go tell you. Yes, and she what, did. What she told me. Yeah. And I think you told her to write it down. And I've been thinking about that and I've thought about that image before, but it was wonderful to hear Caroline kind of come up with that on her own mm-hmm. in thinking about how the light of Christ flows through us. And it's it's Christmas. And I always find myself, not just because of the star, not just because of the newborn um, Christ who has brought light to the world, but there's something about Christmas and this image of light that always holds together for me and, and really makes me think about our relationship to what lights up the world for us to see. Mm. And, and I've been thinking a lot about our lives as prisms and, and how we do, how we are called to be refractors of the light and, and to do so in such ways that shed color on the world mm. and refract the light in such ways that it's not we're not just vessels that kind of, like a flashlight, we're not just vessels that shine the light in one direction, but the light flows through us in ways that penetrate our entire being and and cast light in all sorts of directions that that we don't even always know or could ever be aware of. And... In Luke's gospel, when Jesus talks about the eyes being the lamp of the body, I, I think about that in this image of being a prism and how our very embodiment of the way of Christ in the world is a way of touching all the stuff around us with the light of Christ so that it lights up not just for us, but it lights up for everybody around us to see just how colorful and grand God's creation really is because God is with us. Mm-hmm. And and so I've really been thinking about this, and, and I'm going to be um, making time over the Christmas holidays, all 12 days, to really kind of flesh this out in my own heart and and to wonder a bit more about what this being a refractor of the light really means. 
Um, well, I do, I do think when I hear you talk about this, it does make me think about how it, there's a shift in perspective, mm-hmm. right? And it reminds me a little bit of when I was in elementary school and I needed glasses, but I didn't know that I needed glasses, mm. right? Because it's, um, I, could, I mean, I could see, I thought well enough. Mm-hmm. And my mom took me to the, um, to the eye doctor and lo and behold, I needed glasses. And I remember like when those first glasses like were set on my face and I went, oh, whoa. <laughs> you know, like, wow. It's like everything came into such clear focus. Mm. And so when I think of this light and, and how things become colorful, mm. it, it, it reminds me of that in that you know, we talk. We were talking about this. I mean, the the name of this podcast is becoming fully alive, mm-hmm. and I do think as we orient our hearts over and over and over again towards God and to surrender to God's will in our lives, that um, things do become much more colorful and full of joy and wonder all around us. Uh, not just at Christmas, but mm-hmm. every day, and and we can see with um, with a with a sharper focus, yeah, God's presence in all things, hmm. yeah, yeah. And there's and there's something about the the image of the prism mm-hmm. that I think helps us recognize that the light that's flowing through us, the Christ light that we are born with and that sustains us, it helps us to see that we are involved in making something with God, involved in making the world with God, Mm -hmm. involved in making the light shine with God. So it's not just the light of Christ bursting forth. Um, But that clarity of vision that you talk about, it's part of our, it's part of our making, what we make with God. Right. And, and I can, I can make that less clear and more clear depending on how I'm ordering my life, how much I'm, really giving myself to the movement of the spirit and you know whether or not I'm willing to put those glasses on mm-hmm. you know and 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 truly see and to see more clearly and and so so I wonder I'm wondering right now about um all of this in relation to our being involved in God's making of the world, being involved in not just helping people see the beauty of God in the world, Mm -hmm. but helping the beauty of God become alive. Yeah, I mean, where my mind keeps going back to as as you're talking is, is actually what happens right before Jesus dies. 
and he's giving the disciples the new mandate, um, which we celebrate on Monday Thursday, that they love each other as Christ has loved them. And I think that that isn't a passive, hey, talk to all your friends about what God's doing in the world, all the places, right, where you see God's love being made manifest in the world. He's saying, no, you're it. Mm-hmm. You, how you love each other is really um, how you're going to um, share the light of Christ yeah. in the world. I mean, that's how you're going to be the light. That's how you're going to share the light. And it's, it's an invitation I think, um, well, certainly, I mean, think about it. Like when I experience someone who is um, refracting the light, something in, in me does, I get inspired. Well, it draws the light out of us. Exactly. And I can sit there and think or stand there, you know, whatever my disposition is at the moment and say, oh, oh, that feels good, or, oh, isn't that beautiful, or, whoa, that's just kind of a wondrous moment. Mm -hmm. And all that's good, and I think that that's really important. And that's just the beginning. Just the beginning. Right? It's like, okay, what what is happening in me? What is the call, the invitation? What's the next thing? Right. That And there it is. What What is the invitation that God with this refractor of light making. Yeah. What is it making? What is the invitation being made in, in that moment that I become aware of, yes. of the light being refracted from this person? Yeah, just the image that just popped into my head was, it's like, maybe this has happened to you. It's definitely happened to me, me because I'm a dancer. But it's like you you'll hear like one of your favorite songs come on. Mm -hmm. And then so you hear it and you can kind of feel that sense of like, oh, I love this song. And, you know, you can kind of feel the joy and wonder kind of in your being. And you might even smile and maybe start to to sing along. And then it's like, am I going to get up and dance? Right. Right. And, And God is calling us, inviting us into the dancing. Yeah. Right? It's not enough just to hear the music and go, oh, I love this song. I feel so joyful. I got to get up and participate and dance with God in that energy and in that um, sense of creation. Because if I just sit on the sit on the sidelines, it just, um, and be the wallflower like, like I really like to be sometimes, Um I'm missing the opportunity. Right, missing the opportunity for that that joy to flow through. Yeah. Yeah, the joy to flow through. Because it's it's about creation and and like you're you're saying it's creating together mm-hmm. um with God within our own souls and and with the people that we're called to create with. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about, I, I'm i not much of a dancer. And so when I hear the music, I, I don't always um, find myself moving to it per se. Mm-hmm. I might sway or something. That's moving. That's moving. 
But when I see somebody else dancing, mm. I just think, oh, I kind of want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll have enough courage to stand up and just like try. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I still remember there was, I was in Atlanta, I was in a conference and I was waiting on um, a cup of coffee at the, um, at the cafe and there was a young man in front of, he was waiting for his coffee and he was standing in front of the barista and he was just going to town. I mean, he was swaying back and forth, getting his groove on and all sorts of stuff. And I'm just watching this unfold. He's in this public cafe. He's got headphones on, listening yeah. to some magical song that's making him move the way he was. Yes. And I thought, how marvelous. Right? I mean, that in and of itself is like the embodiment of joy and wonder. Absolutely. Would, yeah. You know, people always, um, you see those little um, inspirational posters or whatever yes. that says dance as if no one is watching. I have he, a, yeah. He was dancing yes. like nobody, nobody was, was watching. watching. Yeah, and we were Nietzsche. all watching. Yes. And it was marvelous. Yeah. It was just so much fun. And I just wanted to start dancing with him in the cafe. Yes. And, and, and I, and that, that was probably 15 years ago. Yeah. So this is an unexpected term, but I'm going to take it. Um, <laughs> is so I used to, um, watch when, so when the boys were little, I would go to the gym, I'd put them in the little nursery and I'd go upstairs and I would walk on the treadmill and I would do the elliptical trainer and I would watch Ellen DeGeneres. Hmm. And because her dancing was like totally maximizing the serotonin that I was already getting from the exercise. <laughs> so it was like a double whammy, right? Just watching her dance and then watch everybody just in the audience start to dance. It just was so... Um, it was just so joyful. Yeah. It's just so joyful. There is something about dancing that is so incredibly joyful. And uh, my sister and I, I mean, we love to dance together and stuff. But anyway, maybe we'll have to do that this Christmas. And so here's, here's the unexpected term. So Ellen DeGeneres' DJ um, committed suicide mm. a week, week and a half ago. And I was texting about this with a friend and um, I was just so devastated. Um, He was such a bright light in the world. You know, I mean, not only did he like make Ellen happy, but he made millions and millions (laughs) of people. He brought joy and wonder to millions of people. Yeah. And so there is... You know, I don't know. It just it's it's had me thinking a lot about being refractors of light, and um, and even some people who are such tremendous refractors of light. There's also a dark side, and we don't always know the wholeness of what anyone is dealing with yeah. in any given moment. And I don't know. So in this Christmas episode um, of the podcast, I I do think it's important for us to realize that the light and the dark do exist. and, And I do think that we're called to bear witness 
to the darkness um, in ourselves, in other people, and and for the world. Um, somehow, I it's like it's like I feel like Jesus tugs me, you know, and says it's not just about the light, mm. right? It somehow is. Somehow, if we just talk about being refractors of the light, we don't give enough room for people to admit the darkness that exists within them yeah. and around them. And, and I do think that we need more room in this world to be able to have open dialogue about, about the darkness. Mm. Um, because it's not just about the light. Yeah. So maybe part of being a prism of God mm-hmm. is... A prism of God, yes. Maybe part of being a prism of God is allowing that light that burns within us mm-hmm. to show forth in such ways that people don't feel the need to hide the darkness. Yes, yeah, where it says, "There's I'm not my reflect reflecting refracting light is not just about pulling your light forward. It's also about making space for the darkness within you. Without shame, fear, judgment, whatever it might be, but again, an invitation. Right, letting letting that ref fracted light be an invitation for others to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and and to be not only just to see that there's light within them waiting to come out yeah but also to recognize that we all experience darkness mm-hmm. in some way shape or form and and we're not alone in the darkness. We're, we're absolutely not alone in the darkness. And, and that's why I bring it up, because I think sometimes when we focus our um, attention so much on the light, that mm-hmm. it can be easy to go, oh my gosh, but I'm not all light. Like, I know I've got yeah. some light, but it's the darkness that really troubles me. It's the darkness that really needs God's attention, that really needs some sacred space between me and someone else. Right. And so, so I do think that when we are light bearers in the world, that part of that call, part of what we create is safe and sacred space for people to share and be with, whether they articulate it or not, um, that we're with people in that. And and I think one of the things that I've learned about my own life, I was walking with a, a sweet friend yesterday and and she asked me this, this really um, thoughtful question. And, and I found myself, of course, when I'm answering something that, that's soulful, I, it tends to pull for tears for me. And I, and so I was walking and crying and, um, and really able to get in touch with the wisdom that I, I've known, but it, it, it's wisdom that arises again and again, which is where God has met me in my own darkness and transformed that darkness into light. Mm. 
is where I shine brightest in the world. Huh. What a wonderful image. Mm-hmm. So where, where God has touched the darkness in your life, mm-hmm. those are the places from which... And I wish I could say it was just God decided, hey, I'm going to touch this. <laughs> I'm going to touch this darkness. And ah, there was light. For me and many of the people who I journey alongside as a priest and as a spiritual director, it's, that is a long process mm. of receiving the light into a particular darkness. So what about thinking about those dark spaces? Because we don't often see them this way. But what if we began to see those aspects of our lives as places where we get to make something with God together also? Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. So let's work with that for a minute. (laughs) Because... I've been writing about this for years, is those dark places within us are oftentimes the place that we think of as sinful or wounded. The stuff, to, the material to be, you know, thrown out. The, right, right, right. That Those are the parts of our narrative, the parts of our beings that we try to like siphon off or, or orphan or whatever. And the real work is integration, right? Mm. And... And I always think integration is holy work because the thread is always God. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like, it's not saying as if, oh, I've got this dark, this dark, this darkness in me and oh, it's going to be with me forever and it's going to like make everything else heavy and blah, blah. It's really the place that's, that's the most hungry, the most, um, contains the most yearning for God's grace yeah, so that's that's the place in my life where real longing occurs. Yeah. Real hunger for for God. Right. In in a way that the the bright spots in my life they're so flooded with Jesus mm-hmm. that they're not as hungry. Right. They're not. <laughs> they're well fed. They're well fed, don't you think? Yeah. And and I think it helps to really Think about it in 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 these ways, so that because what we're after, right, is is that deepening sense of wholeness in our lives, mm-hmm. and and so those those dark spaces are places where we don't feel whole, right? But that there's the opportunity, mm-hmm. and and if we can if we can slip away from the the guilt shame blame game all that stuff for a moment and and see that part of us that's just so hungry mm-hmm. this this part wants to be touched by the light and we we do that hard work yeah it is hard work uh, of bringing of bringing the light into contact with the darkness bringing it to the surface, we begin to experience a little bit of that wholeness, mm-hmm. which, which is painful at first because we feel exposed. Of course. 
the more we feel exposed, the more vulnerable we become and actually the more open we are to being touched by the light. Mm -hmm. But it's a, it's a creative act within us that God wants to do with us, but we don't often think of it as part of our becoming. We think of it as something to hide from, to get rid of, not something that, that needs to come into its own. Right. Right. And, and I wonder, too, what you said about the guilt and the shame and the blame. It, it's, it's not for that. And I wonder if even those parts, which are so instinctive for so many of us, um, like myself, is... When, when those start to arise, it's like, oh, <laughs> something in me is looking for the light. Right. So maybe it can help draw our attention. Yeah. It, it's, it's like it's, I can receive it as a red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of going, oh, my gosh, and leaning in to the guilt or the shame or the blame. Which is where most of us go. Totally. I mean, I'm, I can really, I'm really well rehearsed in those. And... Right. It is the shift in opportunity. The invitation is to go, oh, well, if that's here, then there must be a part of me that's looking for the light, that's looking for how to receive grace yeah. in, in the midst of this. Yeah. And keeping it in that, in that light, as it were, it keeps us from treating the darkness. It keeps us from treating our lives as as problems in need of a solution. Right. And enables us to recognize that those parts of our lives, our life as a whole, is simply in a continuous state of being created, in a continuous state of becoming alive. Mm-hmm. And so, again, to become fully alive part of it is is not relating to ourselves as problematic right yeah rather but a, a process of wholeness a, a becoming whole yeah yeah and a, therefore fully alive yeah with clear vision mm-hmm. full of color joy and wonder and knowing that it's the dark signs of our lives that the light most wants to touch. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and where we have the most resistance to receive it. And if we can just open up a little and let a little bit of that light in, be just a little bit vulnerable, mm-hmm. then that darkened space becomes less scary. Yeah less anxiety-inducing, less um, fearful when others learn about it. Mm-hmm. And, and I get to be. Yeah. To be with the God who is for me. Yes. Without, without concern for what's going to happen because I know that God isn't leaving me. Mm-hmm. And I think 
pulling this back together with a thread from earlier in our conversation is we need to, so I can only do so much of this by myself, Mm -hmm. right? Or even between me and God, there's only so much that this can get worked out that way. On some level, then there needs to be um, another human being who I'm engaging with, who hears my story, who hears the dark places, who hears and, and sees the light and helps me to integrate all of it, whether these are friends or therapists or spiritual directors or whatever they may be. We all need sacred space with other human beings. Right. And to realize that space is made sacred when we open our lives to and with others. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so we create that space with the person with whom we tell our story. Right. And, And when they receive it, that's the space coming into its full sacredness, as it were. Yeah. And and so part of the risk is is trusting that they will receive it. Right. Not try to fix us. Right. But we'll actually receive it, receive us. And be with us. Yeah. And so that's the that's the invitation for all of us. Mm-hmm both to open our lives to others and to receive the lives of others as they offer them. Mm-hmm. And set aside what we think we're hearing and just trust that what people are telling us is who they are. Yeah. Trusting, say that last part again. Trusting that what people tell us about themselves mm-hmm. is who they are. And that that's, and it's good. Yeah. Whatever people are telling, about, telling us about themselves is grounded in God and therefore good. Yeah. And then we hold that together. And I think that whole process is how we inhabit our calling to be refractors of light. Mm-hmm. Not by avoiding the darkness. Mm-hmm. Not by only talking about how bright and beautiful life is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even though it is bright and beautiful. It is very much so. And life is hard. Mm-hmm. Life, life gets dark sometimes, and we need not shy away from it. The hardness and the darkness. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. It, that's, yeah, that's exactly what I'm, what I'm saying, is that we need more space in this world to be genuine, um, to be able to connect in meaningful ways, in sacred spaces, um, around what's hard. Yeah, and, and and so once again, space is created. Mm-hmm. It's not just out there. Right. And sacred space is created not just when we share how good God is mm-hmm. to us, with us, for us, 
sacred space is also created when I say, this is hard. Yeah. And when I am received, oh, that's when the spirit really does her work and creates something new with us. Mm-hmm. It's remarkable. Remarkable, mm-hmm. truly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's good news for Christmas. I mean, I think I think this is Christmas. I mean, I think I think that what we're talking about is the is the good news of incarnation. This is what God has done with us and for us. Right. Is doing with us and for us. Mm-hmm. And so we are here to do it together for the world. Right. And, you know, sometimes it can feel really lofty or um, it can feel, I can feel a little detached sometimes when I go, this is for the world. And the way that is made manifest, the way we make God for the world is for where we are for each other. Yeah. It's very practical, actually. Right. It's quite ordinary. Mm Mm-hmm. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. <laughs> we have a shot at it, you know. But it but it requires um, so much intention, mm-hmm. um, so much willingness um, to practice every day. Every day. Every day. That is some good news. It is good news, and we need good news for Christmas. Let us not hide from our dark signs. Right. But rather be willing to let them be touched by the light. And be willing to let them be seen in sacred space with people we trust. Yeah. So that the light can refract into them. And wait to see what the Spirit makes with us out of all of it. All of the light and the dark. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm, the thrill of hope in the darkness is Mm. where the transformation happens. Absolutely. Yeah. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Wishing you um, tremendous joy and wonder, not only today, Christmas Day, but in the 12 days of Christmas ahead. And don't forget about our festival eucharist on epiphany january the 6th friday Friday. at 6 p.m it's gonna be wondrous you don't want to miss it no see you there so sunday morning january 8th we will get started again with adult formation that's sunday mornings from 9 15 to 10 15 We have small groups, and starting in January, we're going to be reading the book of Acts together. So January 8th, we'll all meet in the parish hall together. If you did not participate in a small group this fall but would like to join, this is a perfect time um, to join and become part of a small group through the reading of this really fabulous book. Um, in scripture, the book of Acts. So again, that's Sunday, January 8th from 9.15 to 10.15 a.m. We will be uh, starting our um, episodes again, weekly episodes 
on the book of Acts. So if you're not located in Knoxville or you want to be able to listen by yourself and read the book of Acts or find a group of friends and family to read the book of Acts with, we want you to have something to accompany you as you go through this journey of of reading such a fantastic book in the Bible. But if you're in town, we so hope you'll join us. And a reminder that in the evening on January the 8th, we have breathing under the stained glass at 5 p.m. Just for an hour, 5 to 6 p.m. It's beautiful candlelight. Come and uh, allow yourself to start the new year um, with a sense of peace and ease in your body. Um, that's always the second Sunday of the month, breathing under the stained glass. So we hope you'll come. Five o'clock. <laughs>